This week on Look What I Did. This time, it's for real. It's like for, for Macho real. Man. For real. For Yeah. Also, a mixture of like Slim Jims and Pharrell. So um, this week, we sat down with Olivia yes. Trimble. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's She does hand-painted signs mm-hmm. uh, and murals as well. Yes. So very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Really good at what she does. And something I think's pretty unique. I don't think you have a lot of people no. doing that. Three that, that I know level. of in yeah. Northwest Arkansas. Uh, and also, I was I knew a little bit about it going into it. But didn't realize how active and current she is in mm-hmm. kind of like equality of human beings in yes. general. That's a driving quality of life for certain for locals, sure. yeah. especially. So, also found out that she's running for city council. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, check out this episode with us as we talk to Olivia, an, an amazing person mm-hmm. and very participatory in the world around her, which yeah. I thought was very really open. Cool. Yeah. It's a great, great so, episode. Yeah. Check it out. All right. Enjoy. Figures from things. Mm-hmm. Nice. And so they get constant cease and desist orders from like, so we mm-hmm. joked about it being this whole black market, of, yeah. oh, which well, it is technically a black cool. market, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty neat. It Did you like conceal his identity so he doesn't get... We changed his voice. We should do up. that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, too late. I already posted a video. <laughs> a short clip of him uh, going. He was scared. So, though, yeah. but for the people that don't know you, tell us who you are and what you do. Um, I'm Olivia Trimble. I'm an artist in Fayetteville. I uh, paint signs and murals. Um, in recent years, I've become what some people would consider an activist. Um, this year, I planned the Fayetteville Women's March and the Keep Families Together rally, and I am currently running for city council um, in Ward 1. What do you expect to accomplish by getting on the city council like what's your agenda that you're after well you know it's been interesting to go from just like a person who lives in Fayetteville that's enthusiastic about it to a person who um has really tuned in and uh I feel compelled to do as much as I can to help people so um my objective by getting on city council is to basically be in a place where when I have a constituent call with a serious matter that really needs to be addressed, um, my main goal is to be able to take action and get things done. So we have a number of a number of opportunities to kind of shift the way that um, Fayetteville is growing. Um, we're kind of in the middle of a boom. Uh, we're in the middle of a housing crisis. We have... Um, a crisis with our homeless population. Um, we have a lot of a lot of issues that can be fixed, um, and I think that the best place to start with addressing any of our issues is to strengthen um, some of the some of the ties between, specifically in Ward One, between the neighborhoods because we have a pretty diverse uh, um, crowd down there in South Fayetteville and then out out east. So um, my objective is to encourage community engagement, um, empower people to speak up and take part. Uh, I want to see a trade school opened in South Fayetteville. It's a traditional uh, working class part of town. I'm a tradesperson. My stepdad's a tradesperson. Um, I think it's a, like an accessible way for people who are not on a traditional college path to make some living wages, which mm-hmm. we need since our housing prices are rising. So um, that's the that's the quick rundown. 
Yeah, and I think the area of Fayetteville you're talking about is it's that place that it's at this point kind of the older working class part of town that is now being seen by developers as yeah. low cost of entry, flip it for a lot of money, and it, yeah. it is that kind of gentrification moment in yeah, South and I Fayetteville. Think, I think we have like an opportunity to take it from just like, oh, the developers are gentrifying it to, to you know, um, empowering the people who currently live in this area that's rapidly changing mm -hmm. uh, to um, take a bigger part. And if we can give them uh, a way to make a living and a way to, to acquire those skills, um, I feel like that'll keep some of our longtime residents in their neighborhoods as mm -hmm. they grow and as costs rise. And I think yeah. the building we're in actually is a good mix of the two, right? Where you've, like artisanal chocolate i guess yeah. has now appeared here mm -hmm. yeah um, but it's still like this old building that has some history yep. in town and that hasn't changed but it's transformed in a way to kind of keep that fayetteville funky yeah growth piece to it yeah and we have like a wonderful property owner who um very much keeps the prices uh at a point where artists can afford them i mean yeah you know, an indie chocolatier and a tiny <laughs> salon and a fancy photographer and a DIY like band space and a sign painter. Like we really appreciate these affordable mm -hmm. studio prices. Fair enough. Of course, artist affordability. I mean, you guys are in the millions of dollars a year in income. I mean, we make so millions it's a different, yeah, every I year. Mean, panoramic city views. Yeah. yeah. I, we had to get through like six gates, I think. I was <laughs> yeah, probably it's, the... Yeah, you know, I mean, don't, I just swipe don't a mislead debit. people. It's <laughs> right. pretty serious. Because all artists just like rolling. In oh, yeah. Practically. It's all put on. Like, yeah. I have so much money, mm -hmm. I just can't... I don't know what to do about it. It's a real serious problem. Yeah. Yeah. You should fan yourself with Artist it. Actually, dollars. <laughs> start putting them up on the walls. It's my first million. The whole thing. All, one million it. of it. Uh, single so, dollar. So sign painter was how you first kind of, I guess, described yourself. And also a couple years ago, and my timeline's off probably a little bit, but it seemed, because I, I'm, vaguely know you in passing kind yeah. of from years and years ago back in the but old it, days right yeah the bc <laughs> for children <laughs> much oh. bc but uh mall in the mall right yeah We're mall kids um yeah. but you kind of popped all of a sudden uh it seemed like from a distance with and i cannot remember but it was so it was that time that i painted over yes the yeah, yeah yeah on yeah. the on yeah. the uh city hospital which was directly south of the library so it was the repaint hate. Thing. Yes, yeah. that's the name of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so was going up to that. Would you have viewed yourself as an activist up until that moment, or did you just see something and have a visceral reaction to it? Well, I mean, I've always been really political, um, and before. This before the repaint hate situation, it was days after our 2016 election, where many people had strong feelings. Yeah, um, we're talking I about the queen very, again. The queen. I had been very active um, and had campaigned for a number of candidates leading up to the 2016 election. So, um, I guess I would have thought of myself as an activist, but I wasn't very. I, I didn't really think of it in a way that was serious you know like it was just like oh i'm gonna go do these things i'm gonna go like fight the power you know um and i don't think i realized how 
how impactful um, it would be. And so, you know, someone posted on Facebook, here's a picture of the N-word over here across the street from the library where everyone's kids hang out. So I had all this paint in my car because I'm a painter. So I just drove up and I just sort of figured if I get in trouble for painting over like the worst word ever, like that's not too bad. Yeah. So right. I painted yeah. over it. Yeah. I, I didn't design it and I would have if I have known that anyone would have ever looked at it. That was, in retrospect, probably would have done better. It's fine. Um, it's fine. It it's had just, a massive impact. Oh, I, yeah. Think, yeah. I think what made it special was that it seemed so knee-jerk. Yeah. That it was spur of the moment. You know, that it wasn't a stencil you could throw up and spray paint over right. or something and run around. Like, it was this person's just immediate urge to vomit came out as paint right. and yeah. art and covered yeah. up. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was an interesting moment because up to that point, I had just started my sign painting career and I had just, you know, um, landed a, a, my first huge mural and things were already kind of gearing up and I was having this weird, like, am I an artist? What's happening? Who am I? Like, what's going on? And then this thing happened and to me it was very simple. If you see an issue, you address it. Like, that's, I have the skill set to go paint over. It was no problem but it made an impact with so many people. And the thing that I came away with, like I can go paint over whatever, like I'm a middle-class white lady. If I'm painting over something, probably not gonna get hassled. But what was nice was that from, you know, the press and the attention that I got, there were other people who felt empowered to use their own skill sets to address um, injustices or issues or problems or any number of things with the skills that they possess. And I think what was cool about that was even though in retrospect it seemed like a very brief moment, right? Like it's almost this flash of – but I think the impact, right? Like you don't know the 10-year-old kid that saw that happen that one day is going to see another injustice or something just in yeah. horrible taste and say, you know what? I can correct this thing too. Oh, so yeah. I do think it was yeah. a really cool moment. Yeah, I, th I think everything that I do – whether it's with art or with activism or with politics or community engagement, it all comes back to the fact that I feel very lucky to live in a place where I have always felt comfortable to like do something. Something's wrong. I'm going to do something. And I think that it's exciting that the things that I am now doing often either give me a platform to speak to people how, about, you know, well, you, you can go do something or they inspire you know, someone to use their skill set. Um, so that's kind of what Repaint Hate did. It basically gave me a way to hopefully empower others. I think for it was sure. very motivating. Well, and it, mm -hmm. a bigger impact, I think, in a lot of ways than a lot of people are going to have. You know, mm -hmm. like it, it was a special. What's moment, into action? Sure. I think it's it is more than I mean anything I've ever done. You know, but it's it's physically like getting out and doing something and people seeing you do it. And it's, I mean, it was empowering to me to see it, like, live vicariously through someone else going, well, it was stupid for that to be there. How could someone do that? But then also, like, hey, here's a solution. You know, come yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, and, you know, awesome. when, you, yeah. when we were going through the list of people that, hey, we're interested in talking to this person, like, we're excited about what they're doing, and your name came up, the first thing I thought about was that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's not much, there are not many other things that you would want to be defined for more than that right like that's a good badge to carry if that i yeah i mean does that make it, sense it, like it was a, it was a weird thing to get so much 
attention for because it seemed like a basic thing to me to do. Yeah. Like, well, duh, I'm going to cover that up. Like, what? <laughs> and I don't mean like, the sign. I mean, the per- like, it's good to be branded as the person who would take a stand. Right. And that's, right? Like, that's exciting <clears throat> and it's excellent. And I feel like, like, that moment where I did something very basic has given me the platform to, you know, um, as part of the Nasty Women exhibition across the country, I got to be part of a panel. So that was cool. And then I got to do um, a number of, like, smaller things. And then I got to plan the Fable Women's March. And we had 3,000 people come. And, like, it was, it's been eye-opening to, to understand that when there's a thing I'm trying to do, whether it's really big or really small, um, people now trust me to do it. And that's like crazy and terrifying and awesome and weird, but like, um, it's good to have a good good. reputation. Yeah. Yeah. So sign painter, uh, how, how did we get to be a sign painter? How did we get Mm -hmm. to, to that? Okay. So, um, my stepdad is a sign painter and Mm -hmm. he's been in my life since I was five. So he's my dad, you know, my dad's a sign painter and, um, when I was a kid, I was embarrassed by it. Like, oh, my dad's a working class guy. Gross. Because, <laughs> you know, I was a dumb kid. Um, mm-hmm. I was a dumb kid whose dad had a ridiculously cool, fully restored, like, VW bus with, like, amazing <laughs> graphics on the side. Like, you know, I was an idiot. And as a teenager, I didn't think I was an artist. Like, I think as artsy as I got would be, like, going to Hot Topic and, like, putting on a lot of accessories, maybe. Right. Not that um, I worked at Hot Topic. Not that That's not how we know each that. other. No, no. certainly not. I would have worked at somewhere classy you, like you The Gap. <laughs> you, you, yeah, I mean, it's serious. So I didn't think of myself as an artist in any way. And one day after I'd had my second child, so I was 25, my, that's, I've only had two. There are, like, all these kids running around. Two kids. After I had my second child, um, I bought my dad the sign painter's book uh, for Christmas. And it was this book but all these different sign painters across the country because that was about the time that it start, started to become hip to be like a, a craftsperson. Right. Craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. So I opened the book and there are all these people in it that are looking weird. They have tattoos like I have and they're making these wild, like crazy signs with weird colors, like stuff that my dad probably has done and does do in his shop, but he's my dad. So I didn't quite like put the pieces together because when you're young, you don't always do that. So I read the book that I got him for Christmas and then I gave it to him. And then I definitely asked for it back after he read it. (laughs) Um, and I started painting like the most terrible Pinterest signs, barnwood, wobbly, dumb looking letters. Like, you know, it's hard to, uh, do fonts freehand. Yeah. So, so I had, I had a, a couple years of some real, real craftsy stuff um and i went to austin to visit a to visit a friend to visit lane forsander and oh, yeah. she uh she happened to live in the same city as the most badass woman in the sign painter book so i emailed her and she let me come visit her at her, at her sign painting shop wow and it was incredible it was a complete game changer so in that shop i probably learned more in three hours than i've learned you know in days and days of practicing and talking and whatever um, and so that kind of, that changed the, the game. So I went from being like a craftsy person to like an idol of mine, showed me what to do and how to do it and what tools to use. Um, so I came back and, 
you know, I was doing like I was working on indie craft shows, mm. um, so I was selling my my crap there, and it started to get better. And then Onyx Coffee Lab came along, and they're like, "Do you want to paint the sandwich board? We're gonna have American Estates make it." And I was like, "Yeah, that's way cooler than I deserve, sure." And I painted it, and I didn't suck too bad. And so they gave me <laughs> they gave me another job and another, and then Ozark Beer Co hired me uh-huh. and. The first thing I did for them was this garage door on their old place. And they were so sweet. But it took me like four nights to do this garage door that should have taken two hours. I was so scared of being on a ladder. I thought I was going to die. I was like three feet up in the air, truly. <laughs> um, I'm scared of heights, so I feel yeah. you. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> this desk would make me nervous if I was standing on it. It was, uh, it was not the most you know impressive takeoff. Um, but things just sort of snowballed. And, you know, uh, my first big job my dad was like, you don't really have any business taking this contract. Like, this is really big. How are you going to do it? And because I'm one of these people, it's like, well, I'm just going to just do it. Like, I don't know. Let's figure it out. Let's do it. I'll take the action. So I took this huge contract and I was able to, I was able to execute all the signs. So it it was, it's kind of like, um, each step I'm like, Oh, well, whatever. I'm just doing this thing. And then I have this opportunity and I, I take it. You know, even though I freak out, I'm like freaking out constantly all the time with everything that I do. And then it works out and then I get the next one and it's just sort of snowballed. So I went from painting like little rinky dink Pinterest signs to painting like two story tall buildings that are on the Fayetteville Square. Like it's been cool. So now I'm not afraid of ladders. Yeah. Two stories is higher than this desk. Like, using yeah. a boom lift is the most fun thing there is. And boom I, lifts don't <laughs> scare me that bad. Scissor lifts? Yeah, because like, you're, lifts, because you're okay. not going to yeah, fall yeah, and yeah, die. Yeah. I mean, and if you if you fall and break your leg, you'll probably have, like, a million-dollar settlement if you fall off that oh, big of, it's an piece of equipment. Way to look at like, it. Are you very much making a rainbow there? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> worst-case scenario, like, sure, maybe you'll get a payout. Right. I don't know. Worst-case yeah. scenario, you die, actually, is the well, actual okay, worst-case scenario. Well, life insurance. The way you look at worst-case scenarios is I don't have life insurance. I need to get on that. Super positive. Mm. Um, I, so how long have you been doing the sign painting thing? It doesn't sound um, like it's that long. Seven years. Okay. Oh. oh. All right. So. Onyx has been around that long? Onyx has been around a long time. Hmm. I lose track. I'm getting old. Yeah. Right? That Time's just flying by. So what did yeah. you do? Like, where was your art, artistic training before? Like, was it classes None. or just like mm-hmm. from your dad? Nope. Or just. Winging it. Mm-mm. Winging it. Winging learning it. as you went. Yeah. Went, yeah. Well, and, cool. and you didn't like. I, I didn't even like. I didn't even go to art school in high school. I had like the nicest art teacher ever who could have taught me amazing things. Mr. Remmers. I did not attend that class ever. So, um, I just sort of decided to do it, and it worked. I don't know. Wow. And was the was it signs from the beginning, or was it? art and then signs became a no it was signs from the beginning signs from the very beginning like like typography and geometry are what like work for me so you know i have the signs and i paint like the quilt patterns and i just um i like that there are rules you know Mm -hmm. um if you're if you're painting a sans serif f like it's supposed to be straight that's the rule it's great there's no like ambiguity there i mean there can be but but for me, I like the things that have actual rules around them. So I don't know if this is a fair question, but in my mind, it seems like an appropriate question. Would you consider yourself more of an artist or more of a designer? 
Or do you think that those things maybe are just totally, like, they're not mutually exclusive? Um, I think... I always stick with sign painter or muralist, and I don't like to call myself an artist, even though I did at the beginning of this interview. The whole concept that I'm an artist makes me very uncomfortable. Right. So we have... um, I mean, good design is art. I would say that, right? I think that it all flows together. Right, right. Um, I think that there's, you know, like we have our, uh, our stereotypes of what a graphic designer looks like mm-hmm. and of what an artist looks like or acts uh, like. Or for the listeners out. at home, a designer, we pointed at Aaron. That's what Olivia did. And an artist pointed at me. So I just want to, I just want to make sure that everybody like, understands that's oh where the hands God. went right there. Like Aaron looks like a dude designer, like right? a weirdo in a button right? up yeah. with like nerd glasses. That's kind of look like, like my t-shirt has like no sleeves on it. So like. I didn't want to wear that. Yeah. What she's saying is you look kind of nerdy. Like you have a protractor, you know how to yeah. use like, like a I feel like you know how to use like a, like a computer. I probably look like I played in a band or like, like, you look like I'm a writer. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> a writer. I don't know. I've known you long enough. Literally none of this matters. All right. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, We're not here for our looks. So I go to a lot of therapy to address the fact that I'm uncomfortable with being an artist or really? a person who does that. Yeah. It's a thing. It's a weird thing for me. Like that's in, so, but do yeah. you feel validated in your work? I mean, no, is I that... feel like I'm an imposter every day. My really? Life. Yeah. You know, that's not the first time I've heard that though. From no, people it's really that... common, and yeah. I think it's common with people in our age group, which is definitely not in our 30s. We're not old. We're definitely right. yeah. young people. No. Oh yes, um, easily in our, our mid to late double twenties. Yes, it's true. <laughs> um, Early mid double twenties. But I, I think the imposter sure. syndrome is a problem. So, like, uh, even though I've sort of mastered this thing, where I can be like. Oh look! I just did this massive project. It's great. It's amazing. Inside, I'm freaking out all the time because I don't feel like I'm enough of an artist or I'm enough of a tradesperson or enough of a muralist, even though I've done these, you know, pretty good, pretty good projects. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, there can be a really fine line between that pushing you to continue to excel at what you do and shutting you down. Oh yeah. How do you? I mean, therapy obviously is <laughs> therapy is great. Well, right, and it, like. I, I think it's a healthy thing to do and oh yeah that's obviously one way that you kind of manage that but do you have a way that you help channel that as a positive energy in what you do um I I have found that I, I, I find myself doing a variety of projects so I don't just paint and I don't just do um, community organizing I, I tend to mix them so when I am completely flipped out about an event that has thousands of people that have gone or that are going and I have to be freaking out about permits or this or that that huge wall that I've been worried about looks a lot more appealing Hmm. and when I am painting this huge wall and I'm like oh this is exhausting and I feel like I'm dying it's very hot that that or that event that I was panicking about looks a lot better so Uh. um I just sort of I have figured out how to make this work with my like own weirdness by taking on a variety of projects and just sort of like, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's good advice, but I just suck it up. Like I completely freak out and then I just suck it up. I don't know. No, I think that's right. And I think what you said Mm -hmm. is a great tool of like, I can have a couple things going. It's a different conversation, I think, but there are maybe fewer and fewer special like people who are truly world-class craftsmen in what they do right. right and especially when we're talking about this as kind of more maybe a hobby or getting started you're learning things 
and so you have multiple things you're kind of trying to heck for that matter being a parent and your oh. job like you have right. these two things yeah, I mean, you can just be that and it, like being a parent's overwhelming I'm gonna go work on this work thing <laughs> like I get this escape mm-hmm. from home and then work mm-hmm. is like I just want to yeah, I gotta go yeah and you go back yeah. home and you're like kids yeah. yeah so I think everybody probably utilizes that a little yeah. bit and maybe just doesn't know how to articulate that but I think mm-hmm. that that could absolutely be a tool and good advice of when this thing seems too big, when you yeah, don't just like pivot, just yeah. go to the other thing that you like or that is important to you or makes you lots of money. I mean, really whatever the, right. Whatever the reason to whatever do the thing you the like bills for this sweet yeah. high rise condominium office space, right? In South yeah. Fayetteville. In South Fayetteville. Yeah. My, my South Fayetteville high rise. <laughs> this um, is not part of my campaign plan, by the way. <laughs> we are no, not no, pushing no, no, no. for high rises in South Fayetteville. No. We can be very clear about that. No. We normally don't get in the political. All right. You mean the single um, story. Uh, we want to keep the Quonset huts alive. Uh, Quonset real, huts though. will never die. I hope that is true. Never. I used to really worry about that. Um, another piece of advice I've heard before that I kind of tend to use, I think sometimes, is the when this seems too big, whatever that is, a giant mural, a huge project of some kind, like just focus on this quadrant, this part, cleaning your room, right? Like just get the desk clean, then yeah. the closet. Uh, do you find yourself utilizing that sometimes where you just like, I'm just going to focus on getting the permit yeah. and then I'm going to go to the next step. Yeah. And it's, it's strangely, I don't, I don't love working with other people until I do it. And when I'm freaking out about something, if I'm all by myself, I'll spin out. But if I have someone who's helping me paint or helping me organize, if I'm able to say, okay, here we are, we're going to unload all of our crap. That's what we're painting. So the first step is that we're going to lay it out. And this is how we're going to do that. If I can say that to someone else, it's going to be fantastic. Everything's fine because I'm having to, I, I'm forced to, to talk myself through the process. Um, and I can't freak out because there's a person in front of me and it kind of just all comes together. Like, so, um, so when I'm, when I'm really worrying or trying to juggle um i've gotten to the point where i ask for help and that's been a game changer and another really good piece of advice oh yeah i think like i feel like people always want to help and i feel like most of us are surrounded by people as creatives especially where like people want to do what we do or they want to learn a skill or they want to help a friend and maybe sometimes they feel weird offering. Like I feel weird offering to help my friends who are creatives. But if they ask me, if they're like, Olivia, come over here and hold this wood or whatever. But- or, <laughs> or come help me with this stained glass window. Yeah, like I'm go. super yeah. excited the, about um, it. Yeah. That guy wasn't a producer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there was no couch. Those were rough. True yeah. detective was not <laughs> oh actually. Yeah. Uh, but I think an interesting thing is as creatives or makers or even sometimes just a person fixing your faucet you have a hard time saying hey can you come hold this with me or for me real quick have you ever thought like what are your thoughts on why we sometimes might be reluctant or you might be reluctant to ask for help it sounds like you've overcome that hurdle but i don't want people to think i'm weak you know so like i don't want to ask for help because i don't want someone to be like look olivia she's a wimp but like, what it's unreasonable. Your on that? Well, I mean, um, my perspective had to change in order to take on the 
number of massive projects that I am now juggling. And that sounds kind of weird for me to be like, I juggle massive projects, but I do. Yeah, for real. Yeah. And um, if, you know, it, it all comes back to this whole thing where I just want to be impactful and help and change things. Um, I can't do that if I don't have someone to help me. Like, the, I can only do so much as Olivia, but if I ask, say, my friend Cassie, help me paint this massive mural, well, we can do it faster and we can get on to the next project. Mm -hmm. Or I, I ask, you know, my friend Autumn, help me plan this weird thing. Like, you know that horrible saying that we all saw on those awful, like, high school posters in the counselor's office? Teamwork makes the dream work? Uh, yeah. Well... It does. It kind of does. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I don't know. We're probably not in the golden age. I don't know how you want to describe this period of time, but there is a period of time of craftsmanship becoming a thing, and I actually want to kind of come back to that in a minute. Cause, uh, but it drives a building of community, and really that's kind of what we're coming back to. Is like It's okay to say, hey, let's be partners in this thing mm -hmm. and accomplish this together because you do get more done. And I think that may be one of the better side effects of the maker movement or whatever you want to call it is the collaboration that kind of tends to come out of that right yeah. community yeah for sure and, and the other thing that i wanted to say was earlier i kind of made a crack about working class but i think that that's actually something that like as a nation we've stepped away from that a little bit mm -hmm. more and mm -hmm there's a weird part of us that kind of knows we're missing something, the tactile mm -hmm. result of my own hands. And yep. I think like the, it's actually something beautiful. We, we, in an earlier interview had talked about the maker movement came out of maintenance, right? Like we just had yeah. to fix this thing to get it done. Um, and so I think it's something that does need to be embraced. And when you talked about having a trade school in South Fayetteville, we all the time come back to, did you apprentice? Did you yep. learn from what did you and mm -hmm. you apprenticed a little, even if it was for three hours, you had a little bit of a person correcting yeah. you in the moment. And like I had a dad who I can call and be right. like, dad, what do I do about this thing? Yeah. And he'll come show me or come tell me, um, you know, I think that we're able to build community and we're able to give dignity to working with someone's hands mm -hmm. when we, um, we get excited about it together. Like it's exciting to like hang out with a woodworker and be like, oh, this is your process. Well, that's freaking sweet. Here's my process. And there's some fellowship that's like built around it. And I think that when we look, when we look back and we look at uh, blue collar work and we look at trades, like people aren't generally out there just like doing things alone. You know, we have had, we've had unions and we've had uh, big trade schools that were very specialized. And we've had, uh, you know, like, we look at like the WPA like we had we had a lot of people all at the same time working with their hands and getting amazing things done and I think that it's impactful to work by yourself or with someone or watch someone work and be able to see the results like in front of you like this is a table that that someone built or this is a huge stained glass window or this is a, a big sign painted on a wall like it's exciting to watch or take part in that process and then we have a product and oh, then you yeah. can talk yeah. about it with your friends and say mm -hmm. hey this guy did this and you know whatever and we had that conversation one night in the 
shop was there's something special about sitting back and putting your feet up on the coffee table you made. And the way you feel about that and look at that and the pride you have in that, I think, is a feeling that you don't get a lot of other places necessarily. No. It is. It is. There is a, a beginning, middle, and end, but there's the almost a validation of something. That's where we came up with the name of, like, look what I did. That's the first thing I text or show anyone. It's like, hey, look what I did. You yeah. know, it's it's sort of a it – is a, it, it's hard to explain really you know that feeling that you get from producing something you know children yes but it's kind of hard to explain but i think everybody's experienced it you know i think everybody has had that moment Mm -hmm. where it's like i didn't know i could do that Mm -hmm. yeah and the power of shaping anything out of thin air basically i think a lot of times that it does give someone who maybe didn't have a purpose before the motivate the motivation to look into that and actually be like, I'd be good for this. Right. You know, it's not every day. And I've, I've had blue collar jobs, you know, like grunt work, you know, I was a plumber for almost seven years. And so I know both sides of this where it's like, I was ashamed, you know, it's like, Oh, my hands are dirty. Don't look, they're covered with the glue, you know, but I felt really good, you know, about a lot of things that I did and it didn't work out that way, but there's still a draw for me growing up the way that I, I did with my dad doing the things that he did, which is it's a various amount of all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> but there is still something inside. It's like, you need to be doing something. It's, you know, you've got to do this, or what are you going to do about that? And so it's also drawing uh, or gleaning information and, you know, a process of getting those things done through other people or a YouTube video or just asking questions. You know, growing up, I was a very inquisitive kid. They always asked, why? How does that work? What makes it do this? And I think it's it's a great thing that a lot of kids don't maybe they don't ask anymore, you know. But there's not an out for that uh, in certain. I mean, I, I think know, my that, kids ask a lot. Well, I mean, but like, I, I don't I don't feel like the kids are as involved. Like me growing up, I was with my dad every Saturday, whatever he's doing, carpentry work, mechanic work, sheetrock, you know, I think all it's kinds of stuff. Our generation a long time to get back into it, and I think oh yeah, you know, like I was with my dad on Saturday mornings when I was ten. But I didn't get into doing stuff. I wouldn't even say that I was doing much creative in like the physical building stuff sense mm-hmm. until maybe five years ago. You know, yeah. it's relatively new in that sense. Um, I've always been fascinated by it and enjoyed it, but it's like we came to it late. And so my kids weren't around a dad that yeah. really, outside of building the occasional, like, I made you a bed because I am too poor to buy one. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like kind of thing. <laughs> Here's some sticks. Um, and so now my kids are like, oh, dad's just hiding in the shop. Like, he's not really. Yeah. What, you yeah. know, like, we may not have given the same experience to them. Well, I think for it. me growing up, it was more of a, my dad was doing that as a necessity to provide rather than a hobby. Well, my dad too, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, we didn't. No. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone else. Uh, no, that everybody is everyone. Everyone. Yeah, all the people. Yes. I already covered it. All folks. So we just want to say thanks to everybody yes. one. Two, three. For yeah. listening to mm-hmm. Look What I Did. Yes. And conversations. Making it this far. Yeah. Into you're, the, the, you're at the halfway the podcast, ish point. This is the ish point. Yeah. The yeah. halfway ish. The ish. So if they want to learn more about us, they can check us out at LWID Project on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want access to behind the scenes conversations between Aaron and I, uncut audio that we have. And at some point, we actually have some visual treats yeah, for people. Snippets. You can definitely check us out at look what I did at patreon.com. Yes. Time to get back to it.
Thank you. Cool. The vocational school is cool. I'm just going to yeah. say that. I'm oh, yeah, it's a great. Yeah. To I still want to take a welding class. Yeah. Welding class? Yeah, I want to take yeah. a welding class. Yeah. We might this go this fall. fall. Like, that'd be amazing. You should <laughs> For go. real, though. I, might, I, yep. I can't Tag go this along. fall, but after Why November, I'll, I'll be oh, less busy. Oh, yeah. So, Fair next, fall, next fall, I might go to welding school. But what if you run twice? Can you only run city council once? Well, once I'm elected, I'll be in there doing the job and not campaigning. But Ooh. don't you have to stay elected? Yeah, yeah. But then I get to just do the job and not be... Fair point. Like, all right, I going see what you're to all the things. And <laughs> so you're saying once idea. you get elected, it's just the posh kind of lifetime appointment. Oh, it's thing. free just government health care forever. Yeah. <laughs> see so what the swamp's made uh, of. <laughs> it's like a it's a four year thing, and um, I mean I don't know I don't know if I have time to be a welder. Whatever. But we it's all, fun to learn. We all have time it has to been learn. fun to learn, right? You know, Aaron and I'll go, and we'll tell you what it's like. Perfect. Yeah. And yeah. that'll Can make you, you want to go. And I'll, I'll pay you half. <laughs> Fair. Ooh, perfect. Like half each? That'd be a whole. <laughs> no, no. You might as well just half go. Half in general. So. Uh, yeah. So wh- what did 20-year-old Olivia want to be? Um, I wanted to chase boys and go to shows. All right. Fair. What did 24-year-old Olivia want to be? Um, Are we getting close to signing I wanted now? to. Uh, well, uh, I wanted to be a hairstylist. Okay. That didn't last very long mm-hmm. because uh, I had some fundamental issues with being part of a beauty industry that pushes some standards that I think maybe aren't always super um, like great for women and men, but specifically women. So that was like maybe not a good fit. So your employment goals have been fluid, but the core of what makes Olivia up as a human being and how she views the world has been very consistent for a very long period of time. Like, I just want to like help people and make do the world stuff, a better place. Know? Like Treat people a little better. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's, I, what's mind blowing with your story specifically is to go from zero to f- like legitimately gainfully employed really quickly in something. I don't think many people ever even consider oh, as yeah. a possible job. Like that's an you're close to an overnight success story, really, when you think about it. It it seems like a long time, but seven years is not a long time to establish a business. It's true, but also we live in a small area and the though it is growing rapidly, mm-hmm. the people in our age group we've all been here a while, so yeah. you know, we have our friends who opened a internationally recognized coffee place. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome and they have hired me and then I have friends who have opened this internationally recognized like craft beer company so like I you could say I'm an overnight success which is like ooh makes me feel weird but it's fine um, <laughs> I don't mean that in a disparaging no, way at all no either. I totally like, know what you mean yeah. it's just um, my my success has only happened because of building relationships with people who then had enough faith in me to help me move forward. So I'm not the best sign painter in the country or in the state or in the city. Even my dad's way better than me. (laughs) Um, I'm not the best. uh, Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at organizing a rally, but my only rally organizer. I feel like, well, I think some people have tried, (laughs) Um, but my my success comes from building relationships with right. people. Yeah. Well, it seems like you're kind of even insinuating like the fabric of the community has allowed an opportunity. You mentioned American Estates earlier. Like that's another arguably overnight success kind yes. of moment of this community is allowing for these people to say, I have an idea. 
I'm gonna give it a shot. And you guys are risking something at the start Absolutely, of that. You know, yeah. like it is you are throwing a lot into hope. Um and the right. community is giving you a place where you can try it and if there are probably a decent number of people that have tried and not totally sustained. But if you have enough grit coupled with enough talent honed or gifted or whatever we're in a space where you actually can make that work. True. I mean, and I think we're in a very unique place. So, you know, we have our generous benefactor to the north in right. Bentonville. So that's helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All those people opening businesses hire me to paint their stuff. Awesome. Oh, nice. Rope Thanks. swing group? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what? People who mm-hmm. have money. Um, yeah. We have We've already mentioned them earlier is uh, dirt bi- motor what, mountain what was biking it? mountain biking yeah. trail oh, mountain builders yeah. Right now. Yep. yeah um so you know we ha- we have a we have a very philanthropic community we mm-hmm. have a region that is very much pushing for arts and culture we have generous longtime residents and I think that we have a very strong fabric of the community uh, that's woven together with all those factors. I don't know that these opportunities are available to our south of us, you know. So, um, I think I think that that the folks up here who have made it in these kind of obscure uh, fields, we're very privileged to have everything kind of come together that has allowed us to do this. Kind of a preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, because there is some preparation. Neither one of you came to it. To your point, it took seven years to get here. It, yeah. it wasn't overnight. So, but we're probably afforded more opportunities than an average area might yeah. have. I think that'd be fair to say. But if they see a lot of stuff, it's like also like buy local, shop local, all that stuff. You know, but it's like providing, hey, I've seen her work out here. I've seen this person's work. And it's keeping that in. Maybe they understand the importance of that. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, it's also become trendy, right? Like, oh yeah. Like to have the, I mean, you see it on buildings. I'm pretty sure that American estates didn't do where people are just cutting up pieces of wood and putting it on the outside because that's become Mm -hmm. kind of a trendy look. And Jesse didn't pioneer that. It's true. But Jesse did make it like, he did make it. Yeah. Well, he made it, I think like he made its presence known in Fayetteville. Yeah. Like it felt much stronger here because he started and all of a sudden it was everywhere. Right. You know, right. and he did a lot of those projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the amount of hours that Jesse has put into wood mosaic walls. Um, yeah. It's unimaginable. And they look super cool. They're yep. really cool. Mm-hmm. But there was one on Huntsville that like, did you see that? It's kind of an art gallery looking thing next oh. to the picture framing place. And I'm ninety yes. percent sure it's not him, but it they it's literally not him. like yeah. yeah they took two by fours and just cut them different depths and just glued them up and so that's when you can, like you see it kind of starting to spread out. It's like this is the fashionable kind of like oh, yeah. thing to do, but I don't remember where I was. Yeah, going and with I think that, that's kind of where we go from like quality into like mass production. Mass production. So, yeah. um, but I think people that appreciate it are still going to pay for the real thing. Like, totally, and the people mm-hmm. who appreciate it will also say, "Oh, well, I like what you began with." And now I'm excited to see what your next innovative oh, yeah. idea is. Yeah. So um, it never hurts when when people also would like to do the work that you do. Right. No, I think I think that's true. I think when more people... It can, it can be flattering, right? I mean, it's not really flattering, but it certainly pushes you to move on to the next idea. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. But I do think actually there's something... When 
when a community can support a sign painter enough so that a second sign painter says, I think I can, that's actually generally like a rising tide raises all boats kind of thing. And it's not bad. Look (laughs) at breweries, right? Like it's not bad for us to have multiple breweries. I'm sure the first guy that opened one was a little bit upset when the second one opened, but it's created. Oh yeah. A really cool kind of subculture in the area. We have a good microbrewery selection. Oh my gosh. Considering the population that we're in and the product's good, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's anything. I used to work for a locally owned retailer who got very bent out of shape when a large national chain came in selling very similar things. But historically, the record has shown that what what that does is actually increase the size of the community and there's just more buyers and arguably that person could have kind of finessed what they were doing um and made it a little bit more specialized and probably even elevated their product a little bit more yes. you know because this person would have played the national chain would have played the lowest common denominator it's what they do it's all they can do specialized guy could have done something even more special yeah um just i don't know a thought so if I wanted to get into sign painting, which I don't, and I also have zero talent, but <laughs> for <laughs> that people being that the are, leading, but I think for people that are thinking about like, you know, to your point, like even just making a Etsy, Etsy shop type stuff, right? Like board and brush style stuff. Um, where do they go to start learning how to do that? And, what would be like the bare minimum tools I needed if I just wanted to paint a little sign for my kid's bedroom. YouTube has some incredible, um, tutorials by like master sign painters. Um, that's a great place to go if you want to be entertained Mm -hmm. or if you want to learn something, if you want to be inspired. Um, you know, um, there are some tutorials. If you want to whip up a sign for your kid's room, you can do a design an illustrator or have your friend who can do that, make that. You lay it on a piece of wood with chalk on the back. You use a pen and you trace all the lines and then you paint them in. I mean, that's how you do it real like quick and dirty. Right. If you want to become a sign painter, you need to have a little bit of money set aside because sign painting enamel is expensive, which sucks for me. I hate having to spend money. Right. Sign painting brushes... <laughs> are not something you can buy at Hoblob or at Lowe's. You usually have to order them or go somewhere. Um, so there's kind of an investment to get into it if you really want to. And it's not really much of a barrier. You can spend right. 60 bucks and have everything you need to paint like well, 20 times. Because you said it's a lot of geometry and kind of there's rules. Like as I'm learning that piece of it, can I take a Sharpie and a piece of paper and just start using a ruler and kind of learn yes. like relationships and if you can learn how to draw letter forms before you start painting you'll be 10 times more successful than than most do you just practice that ever just kind of look at fonts and just practice with the fonts or do you mostly kind of shoot things up on a wall with a projector or it de- so i never freehand a wall i'll freehand something something little um but if it's a large scale piece at all it will have been designed and laid out uh so that it's true to scale and and everything else um I don't freehand a lot. Like I use a layout um, and I am totally the kind of terrible sign painter that uses illustrator a lot. There are some that only hand draw their, their layouts and that is not my life. 
Well, I think you said you're you're very organized process to it. Like you approach it from a very kind of almost mathematical sounding, you know, it's like a messy math situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know where all the numbers are. Right. And I have to just put them in the right spots. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, like there's not a set way to do any of this, even though I like the idea of there being rules, you can break them all the time. I just like knowing that they're there. So, you know, sometimes if I'm trying to add a drop shadow to something and I'm tired or I'm not paying attention, instead of just being on autopilot and doing it, if I'm having an issue, I can say, oh, I know where this goes because there's a rule. You know, I'm doing this and everything's going to be, uh, 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 I don't know, like from, from the bottom to the right. Right. Um, kind of like your stay calm. Yeah. Kind of like it. Exactly like that? Yeah. Okay. See, I'm yeah. learning. Yeah, see, now you yeah. can make I got sign. better at something. Uh, well, no, I can't. Well. Nope, you've never seen me put pen to paper, and I promise you I cannot do that. My stick figures look like they all have scoliosis. <laughs> I, can't, I can't draw oh. anything, so, you know, like... See, that's... To me, that's... Not that it's odd, but it's... I would never put the two together. You know, looking through, like, your feed and all this stuff, and it's just like, man, you know, I bet you she could draw or paint all kinds of different things, you know, and then... No joke. I mean, I, maybe if I like practiced a lot. I think this is such a fascinating. Yeah. I the the neatest thing to me is just like I saw this thing, I fell in love with it, and I went out and did it. Like I think mm-hmm. that is just of you've given a, a lot of little nuggets of kind of wisdom or thought over the course of this, and just that one of like just go do it. I think is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like. I gave a TED talk, TEDx talk last year. And oh, it was well, aren't truly, you fancy? I, well, was it from Fayette, your high-rise condominium? Yes, it was at my, my high-rise condominium on Dixon Street. We'll take a photo and put it on the it's website so we can see she your high-rise helicopter. condominium. Yeah. But so it was called, it was truly called like, just do the thing. And the whole point of it was like, well, I wanted to do this thing and I was scared and then I did it and that was cool. And then I got to do this thing and I was really scared, but I did it anyway. And it's just like, that's kind of how I operate. Like I see something that I want to do and I completely freak out on the inside and it's just, there's turmoil and stress and anxiety. And then I just eventually get to the point where I have to do it. And it's great. I think there was a, was it Walt Whitman? I think he had a a line in one of his poems that said, do it afraid. And I used to write that on a lot of different things because I mean, it is, I want to paint that. Yeah. I think, I have to look it up to see if it was Walt Whitman or oh I can't remember. I think it's important to acknowledge that. I think that almost every I think every creative person I've known has there's that moment where it's like I'm not good enough to do this thing. <laughs> oh well, you know, and <laughs> just kind of dive in, yep. which yeah, also like, resulted in a broken option? VCR, oh, yeah. but you know. I mean, yeah, no, I yeah. think uh what would you what would be your piece of advice to the 11 year old Olivia out there now who for some reason at 11 is thinking of sign painting? Like, what would you tell her? Um, never chase any boys, (laughs) uh, go to art class. Mm -hmm. Like, don't feel like the advice that I would give to my daughter who is 11 um, and I try not to give her advice. I try to instead just sort of 
lived things and yep. weigh in occasionally instead of being like, I'm going to give you a nugget of advice. Um, you know, uh, I feel like a lot of creatives, we don't get to, uh, we, we don't get to practice or learn or even think about what it is that we want to be doing because we have anxiety or we feel like maybe that's not for us or we're not prepared or whatever. So it would have been helpful if somehow at age 11, someone had like clued me into the fact that like everyone feels weird and you still have to go do what you want to do. <laughs> like you're not the only one who's feeling weird. Everyone is. Yeah. They're just better at continuing on than you are. And I think that there comes a time and I feel like this specifically applies when we are thinking about how we can help others, whether it's through privilege and recognizing it or activism or taking action. I think that it would have been helpful for me if someone had said like, Hey, it's okay to be uncomfortable. That's yeah. okay. You're not going to die from that. Like it's okay to be really scared yeah. or to feel really uncomfortable weird about something or yep. to feel like you're not good enough like that would have been great if they just been <laughs> mm -hmm. like and it's okay i am going to try to make my first sign i'm not gonna i'm just gonna put it in my own <laughs> shop but it's just gonna say it's okay to be uncomfortable yeah i love that that's good yeah good job thanks olivia yeah i don't know if it was my own idea well there's a like, that sounds great uh, it's a good one there's this other uh saying that's like if you're gonna be weird be confident yeah you know, in it. It's a little more hot topic. No, in it. That's a little well, more no. Olivia 17. Okay, uh, <laughs> listen. I like that one, though. Okay, now I want to say something. I didn't work at Hot Topic when I was 17. I was way cooler than that at 17. I definitely worked there when I was 15, and I feel like there was a big difference. Did you work what? at Hot Topic when you were 15? Yeah, I definitely did. Oh, that's a good story. <laughs> also, P.S., I worked there well after I was 17. Well, so everyone was yeah. really mean to me when I was 15 and working at Hot Topic. Really? So. You worked there after I was there, though. I, I think, think so. I left, yeah. Yeah. This is something we normally ask everyone. Thank you, uh, Daniel. Almost said David. What is and or are things that you carry with you every day? Like if you were to stop you tomorrow and see you say, what do you have with you? What do you always have? Um, I have a, I have my husband's great grandfather's beer opener on my keychain that I use every day to open cans of paint. Steel That's opens them. Cool. It's awesome. Um, I try to carry an X-Acto knife with, with me. I always have to use them to like sharpen uh, pencils or to cut things open. It's a thing I need often. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a mother, so I always have a bunch of like crap in my purse. So, <laughs> you know. Thanks, kids. Maybe yeah. I'll have like a like a hard boiled egg in there sometimes. <laughs> oh. Who knows? Or you know, I hope that's like, not an everyday carry. Yeah, that's <laughs> what. Oh, it was just rotates out every day. No, egg, it's, it's just egg, happened once. Eggy day um, carry. <laughs> it's a one day carry. <laughs> well, hard boiled, it can keep it for a couple. I try to carry sunscreen. Mm -hmm. Like that's a smart. That's actually the most yes. practical one I've heard. Well, I work outside, <laughs> no, so it's fair. Yeah. you know, well, it's smart um, and it's mom approved, right? It's true, yeah. and I always have paint with me. What's your so SPF? That's, <laughs> yeah, I try to go for 50. Oh, I don't want to look like that's an old EDC, like, SPF. raisin. Isn't 80 like the highest you can go in SPF? I don't know the highest. Where it actually counts? Yeah. Like anything over that a, is you like. Might not be, you may need to check in to your SPF level. Listen, I'm not that tan yet. That's, and it's already the middle end of July. So I'm feeling pretty good about my if SPF. If that's how you yeah. judge skin cancer, okay, that's fine. That's <laughs> Well. Wow. Was what that a, dark? How was that dark? I don't dark? know. Now I'm worried about <laughs> it. <laughs> 
Daniel right. saved my life. <laughs> Maybe. I, I'm going to, I didn't go back I'm going to the dermatologist all. immediately. Oh my I'm gosh. extremely worried about skin cancer because my grandma got it. So for some reason, I've decided, like, since I was 10, I'm like, I'm not going to. I Ooh. quit wearing. It's why I quit wearing shorts. I realized that's probably well. not the part that was getting the most sun. <laughs> <laughs> you just, well, but it made me the, uncomfortable. That Does that the count? thing I was able to commit to for the rest of my life was pants. Uh, for you, grandmother, no shorts. What is so? Your shop is kind of wherever you end up, but we're actually in a studio space right now. Uh, do you do a decent amount of work in here, or is this kind of like store stuff? Kind of gives you a place to get organized and then go. So, um, in the last year, I've sort of rearranged some things. I've pushed some things off the plate, off my plate that did not serve we- serve me well. Uh, maybe took up too much time, and I have sort of shifted things to where um, I would like to be painting a wall. Like, I want to be doing large-scale work, and so I do, uh, I don't do as much, uh, like, sign painting in my studio. I do a lot of, like, dropping things off and preparing, you know, what I need for the next job, or storing of whatever junk needs to be stored for an event. Um, so my studio is, like, my, my office, uh, it's, like, my home base, it's, like, my storage locker storage unit um it just i love my studio so much because it is not at my house it's it is like my your own man space. cave it's yeah. like my cave it's the What's stay a calm woman cave. Man cave it's just a, a cave just a cave just a cave, the cave. <laughs> anyone can have a cave see olivia cave um yeah like i like i i don't know who i was talking to about this earlier but it's so nice to have this space and in my in my studio, it's partially underground, so it truly feels like a little like cave. cave. It's like a hobbit hole. It's yeah. like a little hobbit oh, hole, and yes. I, you know, I'm not really a hobbit. No, I they wasn't implying. Feet. I, I wasn't. No, I but... do have hairy feet. My dad used to call me <laughs> Hobbit feet. Oh well. Can I move in your studio? <laughs> I bet your hairy feet like protect you from the sun's rays. If I wore flip flops, which I also quit wearing when I quit wearing socks. <laughs> My lower half is very well protected from skin cancer. However, my nose may fall off because it is large and relatively unprotected most of the time. We've got some to spare, so if some left, it only do you Just favor. slough off the first couple layers. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm back to a normal-sized nose. Thanks, son. Uh, S-U-N? S- yeah. Yep. Let's <laughs> be clear. I do have kids uh, who will disown me after this. Um, Take more than that. They won't so, listen to it for a while. No. I hope. Uh, we can... But like, so your your workplace is probably a lot. Let's say it's a wall. What do you have? uh, Like a a number one rule. Like this is rule number Mm -hmm. one. If I showed up to help you paint something, which you never want to happen, uh, (laughs) you do all the work for Daniel. Don't fall off the ladder. Um. Well, I think a good rule, unless we're painting raw brick, so it doesn't count if you're painting raw brick. Noted. If you're using paint and you're painting a wall, chances are if you screw it up, it's paint. So we just paint over it and fix it. So I think that that's like a nice thing to remember. Like uh, I've had a number of friends paint and they'll freak out. Oh my God, it dripped. Oh my God, what do we do? And I'm like, well, we just wipe it up. <laughs> so it's fine. Don't you know? worry. Be so, paint. Yeah. <laughs> you know, generally we can fix it. If you're if you're helping me on a project, you're only going to help on a project that we can fix. <laughs> uh, yes. I'll help by running to the store and getting water. Like, you, you sweep. We're here to paint. I don't care. Just sweep somewhere. That's your job. Yep. Just, just clean up that floor. Yes. 
<laughs> with the rules, okay, so don't worry too much. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Do this. Yeah, thing. I mean, it's fixable. I feel like most things are fixable, uh, and if you can get past that, then we can like really make some progress on a project. Nothing too stringent or tough. I, I mean, like, I'm neurotic about things, but I can't think of anything specific. Like, okay. Um, Always I don't- clean the brushes. Yeah, don't well, forget to clean the brushes. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to hear you making, like, noises when you're eating or drinking food. That's <laughs> maybe a big one. That's a number one. <laughs> number one! Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, my god. You know, clean the brushes and be quiet with your... Chewing in Pandora's noises. box. You're about to have like yeah. six other number one rules. I can see it building. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good one, though. They're eating. I mean, that's the one. Yeah, I don't like hearing people no. eat. It's even worse when they're chewing a lot of gum. I need it to not ever happen. Yeah, I would. I would be fine if gum disappeared. Yeah, I yeah. would literally be okay if gum was not a thing. Yeah, man, it's weird to have three people at one table that agree with. Can that. I join the city council and just think? eradicate gum? Yeah, I can think I be like that, after um, straws, gum. I think I'm going <laughs> to add to my platform that. Uh, Noises while eating and gum have got to go. Mm. I I am moving one intersection down. There you <laughs> go. Ward one. <laughs> Olivia Tremont for <laughs> this is. I think we can truly build a movement on this. Uh, I feel. I mean, you've got two stalwart supporters right yeah. now. There we go. Well, I know people that don't have a problem with it. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? And they're like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like. It, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm just it, like, it, it's, it's, isn't it called like misphonia? I mean, like I you can't, it does have a name. It, I mean, there is a name. It's gross. It's, it's <laughs> it was terrible. on Facebook, so it has oh. to be and a real it, scientific well, thing. Yeah. Well, um, so those are the rules. Yeah, clean the brushes. Don't chew out loud. Don't fall off the ladder. Don't I just fall off that the ladder because well, like, yeah. heights. Yeah, don't fall off the ladder. That's good. Don't lock your knees because then you will fall off the ladder, which is what happened to true. me. Yeah. Hmm. Stops blood flow. Faint. See, I've always Almost heard that. Die. I've never done it. So. I've done it. It's not wow. cool. Yeah. Note to self. It wasn't Don't even a that. dare. No. I just didn't know. <laughs> uh, so we're going to start a sentence, and then you're going to finish it. Yes. Okay. I wish I could. Is this supposed to be like a serious answer? There are no wrong the answers. We're going to start yeah. a sentence, and you finish it. Yeah. We'll take it from the top. I wish I could. Is this a serious answer? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. All right, ready? No. We'll, we'll take it from the top. Right. And a one, and a two, and a three, and a I wish I could. I wish I could have, like, a Coke machine in my studio that only gave out ice-cold cans of Mountain Dew or Coke in a can. (laughs) You know what? That's one of the best I wish I coulds. (laughs) I I would support that. Yeah. It doesn't take much. I just want a cold canned beverage. Maybe that'll be our platform. We'll rally that for you. Yeah. It's like, hey, five five people out there. She needs a Coke machine. I need a Coke machine. That doesn't take money. It's just cold. It needs to be very small. <laughs> small. A small Coke machine? Like a mini fridge size. Like a mini, but I need slightly my mini bigger. fridge to be restocked. That's basically <laughs> oh, what needs to happen. You really just need somebody to run to the store. You need someone some, to go to the yeah. store and get I, some Isn't there sodas? a guy that delivers Jeffrey? food on a scooter? I don't know. Clunk? Oh, yeah. That <laughs> oh, guy. Yeah. Let me bring you up. <laughs> Is Fayetteville the kind of community that a person can be like, what if I brought people donuts on a scooter? I wonder if that would work, and that will survive as a business for a decade. You know, I I definitely have never called Clunk with a non-food need and had him go to the store and purchase it for me and deliver it. Like, that's not... You know, the sad thing is, I actually sort of feel like that was a thought crime, because I had that idea when I was a kid of... Not a kid, but like... Nineteen twenty, I was working. I was working at Hot Topic, and we actually were talking about the fact, like, wouldn't it be great if we could call and you could order a pizza, and 
nighttime protection <laughs> all from the same place. <laughs> and now we can. Wow. Well, and now you now can if you got Clunk Slumber. Yeah. Yeah. But then Clunk came out with that. I'm like, I think he got in my brain and stole my best idea to date. Yeah, well, you know, he he's for dating totally screwed us by having the best idea about how to deliver anything, how to have the best venue ever, like how to have the best clunklet bracelets. Like he has the best taken, ideas. He's taken mm. all the best ideas. He ran for he's the best fake mayor. He's the best fake mayor <laughs> yeah. and or governor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep, yeah, I forgot that was yep. up for yeah, yeah. Man, that clunk. You know, we should have him on. The, you need to have clunk on. That would be that a good would be one. interesting for sure. Yeah. He's created a legend. Oh, yeah. He's the only guy that does, like, dumpster reports Fair on enough. Facebook Live. It's true. Mm-hmm. And dumpster comedy shows. Yes. It's true. Yes. Yeah. He's an endless... Well, enough about Clunk. A cornucopia of Clunk. We're here to talk about He does about a lot. Of- <laughs> <laughs> but either way. Uh- Look What I Did is produced by Aaron Dodson and Daniel Quinn. Sound designed by Tyler Orsack and Daniel Quinn. Our digital director is Heather Hill. Mm-hmm.